Hey, Rachel. Hello, Brian. So how was your week? I, I mean, I'm really beside myself. We are in the midst of a crisis right now, and it has nothing to do with the coronavirus or politics or anything like Another that. Another crisis. Yes. Tell me, please. Yes. <laughs> and you're involved, too. Um, we, Our freedom of speech is being stifled right now. We can't tweet. Oh, I thought you were going to say. Accounts. I thought you were going to say it was like Barry Weiss because of the oppressive political <laughs> left. That's uh, that I can't express my opinion. Uh, twi- Twitter is down. Twitter's down for um, the blue check mark people. Verified people. Yeah, because there was a huge hack, some kind of cryptocurrency thing that was probably organized by the Russians. And I, I you know, speaking of Barry Weiss, I think there's only one solution to this problem. We need to join forces with Elon Musk and Joe Biden and Jeff Bezos, and we need to write an open letter to be published <laughs> in Harper's Magazine. It's nothing, the only way. <laughs> nothing enforces social change like an open letter in Harper's Magazine. That's a big nope. We're going to have a lot more. This is nope. The podcast where we shut it down. My name is no. My sign is no. My number is no. You need to let it go. You need to let it go. Need to let it go. Okay, Rachel. Uh, so other than that, I mean, the the week wasn't the worst, was it? I mean, yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean, it's pretty bad. I mean, I'm feeling much better. Um, I had... Uh, yeah, we shingles. all know you had shingles. We've <laughs> talked about it for like yes, five for weeks in weeks. a row. <laughs> in a row. Yes, uh, okay. but, uh, but I'm very excited. We have a very special guest today, my friend and former colleague, Connor Doherty, who's a reporter at the New York Times and the author of the book Golden Gates, which was recommended by not just the New York Times Book Review, but by a guy named Barack Obama. Um, who's Welcome that? to Nope. <laughs> welcome, Connor. Thank you. Thank you. Rachel, as a former haver of shingles, I uh, sympathize with you. Oh, Rachel. you had it too. Okay. Yes, years ago. Um, it it's was terrible. Really, you know, it only, I'm sure you've, uh, anyway, I'm sure everyone's tired of this, but it only <laughs> affects one side of your body. And I yep. did not know that until I had it. And uh, it was a very odd sensation. It felt like the really painful equivalent of those old shampoo commercials where they go like this side's tingling, you know, like, uh, yes, the tingling. Yes. The, and even when the rash is gone, it's still like phantom tingling. Okay. It's, shingle twins. Okay, well, here. We, Let's, we, we, <laughs> I'll move on. This is unpleasant. It's unpleasant to have it. It's worse to have to hear about it when someone else has it. <laughs> okay. Right, so right, I right. actually, I actually had a very productive week because, um, you know, Rachel, you know, I go to a lot of live music. I go to a, probably a few, I did, used to go to like a few live shows a month probably yes, you've been known to go to live music yeah and i've been feeling really bad not just for myself that i can't see the music but especially all these like independent musicians who don't have huge you know they get all their money from the from playing the concerts and they're dead in the water right now so i decided yeah. i'd never done this before i decided to actually go on patreon and start subscribing to some of the cultural things that i enjoy and figure i can contribute to the livelihood of all these creative people so i even did like a one of my my favorite writers, a guy named Jay Bell, who's an independent author. I did a band I like called Scary Pockets that do like funk covers of uh, popular songs. They do them like in the studio. And then there's a related band that I did that, Rachel, I told you, I <laughs> the band is called Pomplamoose. Pomp- <laughs> and you know it's them, what- Connor? 
No, but I was <laughs> okay. reading your notes before this. I was like, is this going to be about LaCroix? But uh, it, no. Exactly. Well, that is, okay. So <laughs> I, I love, love, love this band Pomplamoose. And I, they did a version. They, do, they release a new song every week. And they did Stupid Love by Lady Gaga. That was a yup for us a few months ago. And I sent it to Rachel. And I'm like, you got to check this out. This is the most amazing version. You might like it more than the original. And what happened, Rachel? <laughs> I was just like triggered by it because I hate <laughs> Pomplamoose. How can wait? I, a nobody <laughs> knows about this band. B what is there to hate other than the ridiculous well, name? Right. It's it's I really like have nothing against their music per se. I don't even know their music. But when I used to work at Twitter, um, a big part of my job as head of film partnerships was to get celebrities early access to new products and beta. And one of those products was Periscope, which is Twitter's live streaming platform. And we reached out to our company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) No, well, now it's like integrated into the product. I mean, it still exists, but it's it's like the live streaming on Twitter. So we reached out to our contacts and we got people into the beta and they started posting content. I got Kevin Hart to use the product. Okay, I was super stoked about it. I asked the editorial team at Periscope to please highlight Kevin's account in the app, thinking they'd be similarly over the moon that I got him to use it. But no, they were like, oh, sorry, we can't because we're featuring Pomplamoose, which is like dumb duo from the Bay Area with like two followers on Twitter. And I'm like, Kevin Hart has... 38 million followers. What are you? Are you trying to sabotage your own product? And then someone on my team got Oprah, and they're like, "No, sorry, we've got Pomplamoose." So it became like, like an internal joke. Like anytime I hear Pomplamoose, and then I get Brian like texting me their song as if he's like taunting me. So. They're everywhere. They're They're everywhere. Well, well, let me let me be clear. I am the biggest fan possible of their music, and uh, now that I'm on Patreon with them, I can they DM'd me. I can DM them, and I'm going to send them a link to this podcast, and uh, they'll know that I go to bat for them, and that the the good folks at Periscope also went to bat for (laughs) them. They love them. I didn't know they were from the Bay Area. I've never heard of. Pumpkin. I'm not sure. I think they're from L.A., but uh, no, no, they're from the Bay Area. Oh, really? And then, it. and then yes. the guy, the guy is the founder, CEO of Patreon. So the, oh. Jack, the Jack guy, the guy with the beard. Oh, so that's how they know all the tech people. Yes. That's how. Yes, yes, that makes a lot of there, sense. There wasn't. Okay. There had to be a missing link there. Anyway, so I love you, Pomplamoose. Rachel, I'm sorry you were triggered. I hate never you, Pomplamoose. <laughs> <laughs> never my intention. <laughs> <laughs> good good news for me though is I control the outro music, Rachel. So Okay, all right. No, fine. I'll I'll whatever. No, It'll it's too soon. It. I, I, I I'm not gonna listen. Um okay, so this okay. is worse than when you were wearing an untuck it shirt that one time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh yeah, you did so, a note. I'm sorry, you're telling me that Pomplamoose is like a tech CEO band? Yeah. yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, no, but they're um, legit. Like, you hear, like this guy is a mad, great musician. Like, you, it, it, it's not like that. It's not like some vanity project. It's not like Johnny Depp playing guitar or something. It's 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 for real. It's legit. It's Pomplamoose. Hey, they, they, Johnny Depp might be a great guitarist. The, we don't the Fre- know. The French named grapefruit after them. It's spelled differently. It's Pomplamoose, <laughs> not Pomplamoose. Okay. Enough. 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 Rachel, can we do some notes? We can. Yes. Um. So. 
we're going to talk about um, what the hill is that Republicans are going to die on. And it wasn't what I expected. And it is beans. Um, beans a hill of beans. A hill of beans. A hill of beans. <laughs> beans are at the center of the culture wars right now. And it's not dying down anytime soon. So we better get used to it. Um, here's what happened. So Goya Foods is this huge Hispanic food company in the U.S. Uh, owned by a rich Spanish family. The CEO is part of that family. This guy's named Robert Unanue, and he met with Donald Trump at the White House last week to announce that he's donating a million cans of beans. No, chickpeas, specifically chickpeas, chickpeas, <laughs> which I think oh. is the one that nobody buys. I think they had them yeah. left over. They're not the good black beans or the kidney beans for chili. It's chickpeas. They're the, the garbanzo beans. Yeah, no, nobody. I buy them to make the famous New York Times stew. Oh, oh okay. the Allison Roman stew, which is not a curry. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Another call. Okay. okay, so they're they're giving a million chickpeas. Right. Okay. And so then he also wanted to highlight one of these bullshit, whatever business advisory commissions, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? But at the meeting, um, Unanue said that the U.S. was truly blessed to have an incredible builder like Donald Trump as president, which if approval ratings are any indication, most people in this country disagreed with. Um, so after the meeting, people ranging from Lin-Manuel Miranda to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said that they were boycotting Goya products. And then there was an online campaign, hashtag Goya way, um, <laughs> to officially cancel them. And that's just where the drama begins, because now owning the libs entails eating beans. And there are many Republicans who felt compelled to show their loyalty to Donald Trump by performatively showcasing on social media just how many beans they are eating. Um, and I'm just going to go through some examples. Um, so Mike Huckabee tweeted, cancel culture leftists don't need beans. Maybe he's right. We don't. We don't. No, no. Fine. No, fine. there's plenty of other things. Um, Ivanka Trump today tweeted holding a can of Goya black beans as if it was an object that she picked up while on a mission to the moon. Um, <laughs> it looked like she had never seen what this was. And then not to be outdone, Mary Trump. Um, whose memoir came out this week, she tweeted a photo of a different type of beans, <laughs> 365 organic. So we have like these dueling bean <laughs> photos. That's like the Whole Foods house <laughs> brand, right? Yes. That's, that's yes. the real lib, lib alternative. It's fine. It's good. I, yeah, I would fine. have those. A bean yeah. is a bean, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I trust Mary when it comes to beans. Um, and then... <laughs> Ted Ted Cruz proclaimed that his grandparents ate Goya beans twice a day for nearly 90 years, <laughs> even though this is crazy, even though Goya has only been around for 84 years and Ted Cruz's grandparents have been dead for 30 years. So do the so, math, do the math, <laughs> do the math. And I don't know what's going on here, but maybe Ted Cruz's grandparents are time travelers. No, I, there's I like a Venn diagram of like the age of Goya and the age of grandma Cruz. <laughs> And they don't intersect properly. Like no, no. So I mean, it's either a lie or they they have discovered time travel. And then there's this insaniac who I probably shouldn't even bring up, but I'm going to, named <laughs> K. W. Miller, who's running for Congress in Florida. 
And we can do a deep dive on him one day because he's crazy. He was tweeting last week that um, Beyonce is really an Italian woman and that her song <laughs> Foundation was a satanic chant to activate the globalists. But the important thing for the sake of this story is that um, K.W. Miller is also eating a lot of beans. And this is literally what he tweeted. I'm just going to quote it directly. Quote, just had a cup of coffee and two cans of Goya beans. Take that, libs. Time to start the day. Today's oh. task, save America. <laughs> and then he adds to the tweet, probably as he's like sitting on the toilet uh, with diarrhea. And he's like, by the way, dinner is going to be some great T-bone steak because K.W. Miller is not a vegan. I pro I'll probably down another can of Goya beans just so you leftist degenerates can cry some more. I'll wash it down with a big glass of your liberal tears, you globalist hacks. So, okay, so that's, I, a great I don't know. He's a great writer. That's actually that's quite... A, that's, that's, that's a great read. You got it's it. evocative. You, you could not parody that tweet better than the tweet itself. Right. No. I, I hope he got banned. His, his verified account got. Uh, we all got did. Today. I know. I know. Yeah. Wow. That's um, really. Uh, they really opened a can of beans here. They did. They did. So you'd think this solidarity was would be exciting for the Goya CEO, but no. Um, he has delusions of persecution. He went on Fox and Friends to say that calling for a boycott is a suppression of speech, which is exactly the opposite of what is true. So I, I just say no to Robert Unanue. Who cares about fucking beans? It's a commodity product. If you like beans, there's plenty of other brands to buy, like 365 Organic. <laughs> and uh, we here at Nope we support the boycott. That's yeah, well, I do have a I do have a confession to make. Is that just like at the beginning of the pandemic when we had no idea what was going to happen and people were hoarding all kinds of foods, I hoarded goya beans. So I actually have a closet full of goya bean cans um, that you I should throw them out the window. I'll donate them to the shelter or something. <laughs> I mean, as long as I'm not actively buying new ones. Um, well, if you if you eat them, it's fine. You bought them before you knew. The, no, the such truth. a bitter taste in my mouth. Bitter, <laughs> yeah. bitter beans, the 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 fruit of the poison tree, or whatever. That saying. Okay, nope, nope, no, 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 absolutely not. No. Okay. Okay, move on. You have another Start nope, right? Down. Okay, yeah. I do have another nope. So I think that um, was I had to address this mature segment for where it could have gone. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes no we're, we're nothing if not that was, mature that was here. amazing restraint just the whole <laughs> well, time just just, just wait just wait until you hear this next one <laughs> well it, it took everything i had i appreciate that connor so <laughs> this, <laughs> this i i had to address it was in the new york post and once again the headline says it all and I'm just going to read the headline because I'm lazy and I didn't want to do research. Um, <laughs> man on drugs arrested for biting seagull after it tried to steal his Big Mac. That's exactly what I would do if a fucking seagull tried to eat my Big Mac. Who among us has not been in this situation? So, I, of course, this happened in England. Um, and one of the greatest misconceptions that we've discussed a lot is that in American culture, we think that the British are somehow more civilized than us, but there's, they're, they're worse. They're, they're barbaric. So much worse. They're, as much, they're, they're as barbaric as we are. Yes, they're more, garbage maybe. monsters. Yes. Um, so Wait, funny, we have a lot of so, listeners in England. Let's, <laughs> but we, we, love, insult, we I mean, insult our listeners all the time. So that's fine. Yes. And we, we love England. Okay. So a 26 year old man in Cornwall, England claimed that he was being attacked by a seagull for his McDonald's meal. And in response, he grabbed the bird and bit it. Um, the police officers saw the man bite the bird and, um, throw it to the floor 
that's like unnecessary. Yeah, you know? that's cruel. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And they immediately went over and detained the man because seagulls are evidently protected by the Wildlife and Countryside Act of 1981. But even if they weren't protected, I I hope that the police officers would have intervened uh, anyway, right? I mean, this and, is and the seagull was just doing what seagulls do. Is he? You know, he's a scorpion. Like, what do you expect? He sees a Big he, Mac. He wants yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Like, if you like see when you something, were, say something. Like when, you know? like when you and I were walking across that bridge in Miami, and a seagull shat on you. Yes, yes, that was beautiful. I, that was, that was a moment, our <laughs> finest moment. But that's what seagulls do. They eat and that, shit. Like that's, that's it. So that's it. They, they, that's it. But um, you know, I, I, the man told the police officers that he was under the influence of drugs, and he was taken to a nearby hospital for treatment. And the cops said that the seagull was injured, but it flew off, so they didn't know what happened to it. And then the matter, they said the matter is still being investigated, and they're appealing <laughs> Wait, what is, for other what witnesses. Is there to investigate? <laughs> I know, I know. They're doing like they're, forensics on the teeth marks on the seagull. <laughs> they want people to come forward. So if anyone listening saw this happening, please contact the Cornwall police or call us. I, I mean, this seems like a fairly open and shut, shut case to me. <laughs> Like, do they want a deposition from the seagull? Like, what do they want? They got gonna, the guy. Like, pump its stomach to see if there's a Big Mac in there, the remains of a Big Mac? <laughs> I just, I'm, I have a lot of questions. Okay. I don't know what else to say about this. No, then uh, shut it down. No, we don't yeah. need to belabor the point. No. Just, say <laughs> okay. no. just say no. Okay. I have uh, one of my famous transitions here. Well, you know, it's 2020 and everybody wants to be a celebrity. Right. And we used to just have reality TV, but now with TikTok, like literally anybody can be a celebrity. And now all these new celebrities have their finally have their chance to make it to the silver screen, just like in the golden age of Hollywood. Um, So I came up with, well, it's not me who came up, the New York Post came up with this uh, very unique casting call from New Zealand (laughs) for a Lord of the Rings prequel. And which I guess they're making. And there was no context in this casting call of like, other than that's what it was for, about what these roles would be. But here is the exact text of the casting call. <clears throat> Do you have an overbite, face burns, long skinny limbs, deep cheekbones, lines on your face and scars, ears that stick out, bulbous or interesting noses, small eyes, big eyes? Any deformities? Skinny face. All of the above? (laughs) Missing limbs. Wrinkles. Teeth missing. Wonky eye. (laughs) Wonky eye. No eye. Can you take your eye out? Like, like. This is literally the casting call for the- Yes, that's it. That's okay. all it's there. Okay. It sounds like a Trump rally, right? Like, <laughs> like what what's are these gonna be hobbits? Is this like the Cantina scene in, in Star Wars? Like who who are these people? But it's New Zealand, right? So it yeah. must be for the Hobbit, right? Oh, no, but I don't know what role within Lord of the Rings this is for. Is it for like a motley crew of hobbits, of like unruly hobbits in the tavern or something in the shire in yeah the shire. they're just yeah. running around I mean, the shire <laughs> the funny thing is like this is there's something for everybody in here i could do this i have wrinkles i have a <laughs> i have either small eyes or big I have eyes small <laughs> eyes and a bulbous <laughs> nose i could do this <laughs> i have lines on my face i'm sure there's an acne scar i don't have a face burn but i could make that happen if i need it for the for the part i think um, we should audition 
I'm I'm calling Peter Jackson. Okay, there's a there's a little bit more here. So um, they put this out on Facebook on social media, and they said we should get the word out by tag tag a funky looking friend. Could you imagine if you got tagged for this casting call? <laughs> and it would be like, which of these do they think I am? Like, <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing more offensive than that. There no, would and, be there's. And, and here's the final yeah. kicker. There was originally um, like pic- uh, illustrations with this of like some of the some of the types of people, the looks they were looking for, and they tracked it down. And they were the originally the photos were taken from a U.S. campaign against meth use. So these were meth abusers who you should look like to be a hobbit. Oh God, that's terrible. That's yeah. really that's dark. Well, look, Brian, this is. I'm going dark here. (laughs) It's deep and dark and terrible. Um, But look, yeah, there is something for everybody here. So to all you aspiring actors and actresses and models who say there's no breaks for you, there's nowhere, just hop on a flight to New Zealand. I guarantee they're taking all comers here. Oh, and there's no COVID there either. So as of this week. That's um, right. They don't even have to live in a bunker. Yeah. So so you could get to New Zealand because they wouldn't let you. No, you wouldn't no. let us in. Yeah, well, you could For sneak good in through the like. Doesn't Hobbiton have like little tunnels through the Shire? Like we you? could sneak in through Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, enough. Nope, nope okay. to this. Shut this down. Okay, well, I have a treat for us. We are heading into our summer music series, which I have to say is getting just rave reviews. I ask. All of my friends tell me it's great, and I say, give me, give me your honest opinion. Should we just do more of the summer music series or not, And uh, or am I just being thirsty? And they say, give us more. Just give, keep them coming. So I've gotten do. a lot of good feedback about it too, Brian. I know yeah. this is, it's your passion. It's, it's my this passion is, project. This is your moment. <laughs> I think I've converted you. You were a little skeptical at first, and, and now it's become our cause celeb for the summer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. If, if we're not going to stand up for cheesy 80s songs and videos, who will? Okay. So this week, um, we do a lot from the movies. We are doing from the film feature film Footloose, we are doing Let's Hear It for the Boy by Denise Williams. And I'll play a clip in a second. You you will instantly recognize it, even if you're uh, too young to have seen Footloose. Um, Now, Denise Williams, the songstress uh, of this song, now you may think that's her only hit, like she's a one-hit wonder. In fact, she is very accomplished. She has four Grammys, 12 nominations. The BBC called her one of the great soul voices. She has a four-octave range. She got her start doing backup for Stevie Wonder. Little known fact, she sang the the theme for Family Ties, Without Us. I don't know if you remember that. Um, But this was her, Let's Hear It For The Boy was her biggest hit. It was a number one hit. But let's just say that the music video (laughs) is um, not her greatest work. It's it's beneath her ample talents. So let me me just remind... it's a classic of the form for, <laughs> for its time. Of a sort. It was cutting edge for 1984. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm just going to remind people about the song. It sort of has two big hooks. Um, it's like a generic, bouncy 80s synth jam with this sound that comes in the intro, which I'll play now. And then there's the chorus, let's hear it for the boy. I'll play that now. I just want to kiss, let's hear it for the boy. 
Okay. So the video, as we mentioned, it, it's like, like so many great works of art and literature and plays. It has four acts. And if you can think back to college drama, the four acts are the setup, conflict and rising action, crisis and climax. And this video has all four. Here is act one. It starts in an, in an empty classroom, empty except for a, a small, it looks like some sort of multiracial boy sitting on a stool wearing a dunce cap that actually says dunce. And he's fidgeting very conspicuously. And on the board, it's like, uh, it's, it's written like a thousand times, I will not fidget. I will not fidget. But so, he's fidgeting. But he, he's, he, the, is. The, he, has not, he has not gotten the message. <laughs> the lesson <laughs> has not sunk in. And the very last one, after like the, number, the hundredth one, he crossed out not. So it says, I will fidget. So he gets the last laugh. So he's sitting there during the intro. And in walks Denise Williams. <clears throat> he's wearing the dunce cap. Bedecked. She... She she's is, in sequence. She's bedazzled, bejeweled, bejeweled, bewildering, and, and, and bewitched. And uh, so she goes in, takes off his dump, dunce cap, gives him a top hat. He then like <laughs> gawks at her and grabs her hand and smells her hand. And <laughs> I think it was supposed to be kissing her on the hand, but maybe he got squeamish or shy and like aborted at the last minute and just decided to smell it instead. Um, and it's a little creepy. So then she throws him a cane, like a dancing cane. And somehow in like a split second shot, he's changes into a tuxedo and he does some sort of like Fred Astaire show dance. And she's just shimmying in the corner, admiring him. And then at the end, they like put their heads together and they're like singing to each other. And then it's a little creepy. It goes, uh, even though I love him, Poe, he's my love in one man show. Whoa, 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 whoa. But she's like looking at him with the, he's my love in one man show. And this boy is like eight. And it's a little rapey. He's eight. And she's like, she's like in her 30s. 30s, probably. yes. yes. It's, so it's, it's very inappropriate. Yes. Yes. Okay. So creepy act one. Um, but that's the setup. Act two, switch. We're in a room. It's like gauzy lighting, and there's this nerdy boy, although he's, he's kind of like a hot, sexy librarian vibe. He's kind of like a hot nerd, um, and he's in glasses, and he's playing piano on a grand piano. He's like and, Clay Aiken. He looks like that sort of, right? Yeah, but he's like a less gay Clay Aiken. Like, he's, he's, he's legit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so he's playing the piano, um, and in, in sachets Denise Williams, and she basically, like, starts molesting him. She, like, creeps up behind him, like, massages his pecs, takes off his glasses, which causes his eyes to cross in like a slapstick <laughs> manner because he can't believe that a woman this beautiful is touching him from behind. While he's playing piano. <laughs> While he's playing piano. It's a dream come true. Um, and then she takes a vinyl record and holds it up for him. And he's like scandalized by it. He's like, what? There's a vinyl record here? <laughs> Like, we're going to play vinyl music in this house? Right. Except like, it was 1984, so that's what anybody played anyway. But I don't know why he was so, like, transformed by this. So she puts it on, like, an old-timey Victrola in close-up, and then immediately it cuts back to another wardrobe change. He is suddenly transformed into, like, a douchey 80s dude wearing, like, shades and an oversized pink blazer. It's like out like of... Like Miami Vice. It's like Miami Vice with, like, the sleeves rolled up. He jumps onto the piano. He starts kicking off the framed pictures <laughs> and truly, like, spastic dancing. Like, he looks like he's going to, like, spin himself off of the piano. It's there's scary a, to watch. There's it's, a quick cutaway, and then there's another costume 
costume change. This is the third one, and he's in another outfit. He's wearing like a floral shirt and baggy pants, and he's continues to do this dance. That's act two. So she is transformed. She first transformed the dunce boy into a Fred Astaire. <laughs> now she's transformed the sexy librarian boy into Miami Vice. Now, act three, we're on a football field. And there's like the Rocky Mountains in the background. It's clearly like a, it's not even a, they didn't have green screens. It's like a, a school art painted backdrop for a school play. And there are two, um, football players and she sneaks up on one and pats him on the ass so there's a lot of sneaking up on people and like touching them inappropriately she touched the boy she touched the piano player now she's but it's it's out in the open now she just smacks him on the ass then the two of them face off against each other and they start tackling each other as you would expect a football player to do but then they start dancing like high kicks like one of them like sweeps his arm like ballet moves like they start ballet dancing with each other and then that abruptly starts stops and then they start punching each other again so this is like the gloria video it's like make up your mind are you like hating on each other or playing sports or courting each other and then for no reason denise starts cheering exuberantly on the sidelines because she's cheering for the boys doing whatever they're doing but the only key thing about this she's wearing you mentioned this when you saw the video she's wearing this fabulous blouse well that's her best outfit it's like a shirt <laughs> it's like a shirt dress with all sorts of like primary color patterns it's beautiful it, it, it's a it great is, look it is of the time so very uh, 80s anyways, yes yes okay so then act four so we've had the the dunce the piano the football finally out of nowhere comes the cast of thousands. And if you've been listening to the summer music theories, we know <laughs> we love a cast of thousands. So out comes the characters from before. The dunce boy comes out. He starts uh, doing like breakdancing spins. The piano boy comes out again and he starts dancing around spastically. There's another breakdancer who's spinning around on his head. Then there's a Lionel Richie lookalike who starts dancing with Denise. There's a bodybuilder with like a sleeveless thing like lifting weights. There's a gondolier wearing a, a, a white shirt and a red scarf. There's an aerobics instructor wearing like a cutoff shirt and doing kicks. There's a Billy Idol lookalike then comes out and sort of does his little sneery thing. There's some and guy there's who just- fire dancers. Yes, fire yes, dancers. Yes. There's Then there's go -go a dancers. fire twirly go-go dancers. A, and then at the very end, when you think it's done, a karate master comes out. A karate out. master. <laughs> And starts doing these kicks, these karate kicks. And then, of on course, the football field, right, all then, on the football field. And they all zoom. Then they zoom out. And it's one big celebration of the boy, whoever the boy is. Let's, it's like, let's, let's hear it for the boy, any boy. I mean, right, I think all the, the thing boys. To, for us to, to notice here is that, as you said, Denise Williams is like an icon. She has four Grammys, very talented woman. She needs higher standards. She's just like, let's hear it for like any boy. And she right. does not have a type. This She's was just like, anyone will do. This was almost the response to the casting call from The Hobbit, right? Like, <laughs> <Yes>. like <laughs> We had small eyes, we had big eyes, we had people who could take out their eyes. Like it was it was this was basically a full employment plan for Hollywood in nineteen eighty four. This yes. was like any the, extra any extra got got employed on this video. This was yes. like the the Reagan recovery was fueled by let's hear it for the boy. The, the and you know, this is this is just consistent. We every every song we do has a cast of thousands. Xanadu on a roller skating rink, Love Will Keep Us Together, uh, marching down the street with a parade. It's just um that's the that's the that's unifying like. cultural theme of of, yes. of, of the entire entire 1980s now i do have an addendum here a postscript the little fidgety boy is not a nobody his name is aaron lore l-o-h-r and he has his own wikipedia page 
Now, this was his, you know, his breakthrough moment. He went on to have a bunch of like Disney Channel things. But the first line of the Wikipedia page is uh, Aaron Lore, whatever, is an actor singer who is a California licensed marriage and therapy therapist, family therapist and clinical director of Avalon Malibu Residential Mental Health and Addiction Treatment Center. So I think he got traumatized by Denise Williams and uh, (laughs) he decided to dedicate his life to um, to helping others. Well, good for him. He was an adorable boy and did not deserve to be in the dunce cap to begin with. I think I know who he's treating. He's treating the piano boy who was also traumatized (laughs) and the football players and the gondolier, all of whom are now in the fire dancers. (laughs) All of whom are now in addiction treatment. So yes to Denise Williams, yep to Denise, but nope to this video. You really could have done better. You should, Denise, you should have like demanded a say, a, a veto in the uh, final approvals on the casting because it was yeah. just a the disaster. song. Just it, the song is great, but the video not so yeah. much. So okay. nope, nope to that. Okay, Rachel. Okay. Uh, we normally go to our yups here, a little raise of light beacons of hope, and luckily we have a yup in our very we have a yup. midst. Yeah. Uh, in a, yes. Yes. Um, so we've got Connor um, Doherty. We're going to talk about his book, Golden Gates, which is fabulous. It explains all the complicated reasons for California's housing crisis, and I'm not going to do it justice. So just tell us what it's all about. Tell us all the complicated reasons in 30 seconds, please. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well. America has a really bad housing problem, and I kind of call it like a local housing problem where it's like a local national housing problem, like where, you know, all these um, around the country, it's very, very, very hard to build housing. Um, and that and, and, and it's hard to build housing in the suburbs because nobody wants any housing near them. And it's hard to build housing in the city, though not New York City, because people are worried about gentrification. And so we've kind of caught ourselves in this trap where you can't build anything anywhere. But then, of course, that leads to this huge problem. And so I think the book is like this portrait. I, the way I thought about it was this, like, it's almost like one of those like interlocking it's like almost like one of those stories where you have like interlocking short stories um, where all these different characters are dealing with how one of the characters is like a 15 year old girl comes home one day and there's like an $800 rent increase attached to her, you know, door. Her mom works 80 hours a week in a low income job. So she has to like take it upon herself to like organ at 15, like organize this apartment complex against this landlord. And I spent several months with them and you kind of get to know them. Then you get to know the family that like moves in at, you know, spoiler, they end up losing the place and you end up meeting the family who moves in after them. Um, And then one of the kind of continuous narratives that it's, you know, that people now have kind of glommed onto is there's this woman, Sonia Trouse, who showed up. She's this uh, high school teacher from Philadelphia, grew up in Philadelphia, tried to like rabble rouse and start, you know, movements her whole life, has pretty much failed at most of them. She started a parade troupe in the Mummers Parade. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Mummers Parade in Philadelphia. It's this like <laughs> wacky, well-known Philadelphia thing. Um you know, tried to organize a protest of her science teacher when she was in like seventh grade and got sent to detention, you know, just starts, tries to like start a bunch of shit. And yeah, she's a great character. Yes. Most of it's (laughs) never really gone anywhere. Well, then she gets to the Bay area and shows up at a San Francisco board of supervisors meeting when we don't have a city council out here and um, says, Oh, you need to build more housing. And, and and I'm from BARF, the Bay area renter federation. (laughs) Is that really what it's called? Yes. No, she called herself. 
So she actually originally called it the Bay Area something association of renters bar. And her roommate one day was like, you should just call it barf because no one's going to give a shit about this thing anyway. So you might as well do something that they'll get to notice. So very she, smart like, branding. Yes, yeah, exactly. she, she actually gave me the early letters and it's like her, her boyfriend and her roommate. And they're like sending out these letters like we are the members of barf. And, you know, <laughs> and, um, and the anyway, so she started showing up to these meetings. She got a ton of attention. And next thing you know, there's like this whole and she started calling herself the Yimby for yes in my backyard. And this is to counter the NIMBYs, which as she you really know, has a knack for acronyms. Like, yes. I hope and she gets what she's looking for. The term Yimby had been used a few times before, but she really like anyway. So then there ends up being these like Yimby conferences of all these people, like wherever you have a friend who complains about housing, like there's a Yimby group there. It's like Boulder, Seattle like even smaller places like Minneapolis and Nashville. And, uh, and there's even a New York one now. Um, and I think it's called open New York or something. They all have different names, but they kind of associate with this group. And so, and Sonia is this amazing character. The first time I met her, she, um, we met for breakfast one day at a uh, cafe in, in Oakland. And she shows up in a orange crown Victoria that's like got glitter all over it. Um, and <laughs> so it's like this glittery orange cop car. She's um, has acid wash jeans and a snakeskin belt and like a sweatshirt for some like metal band that's been crop topped. Sounds like, sounds like she was in the uh, let's hear it for the boy video. Oh my God. <laughs> exactly. that's, that sounds exactly. Yes. And a giant hoop earrings, like a, like a fluorescent yellow bodysuit under the cropped, uh, you know, anyway, this, uh, um, anyway, so she, and, 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 and then proceeds to just unload on everyone. Like this person's an asshole, this person's this. And then she says to me at one point, you know, you could, you could propose like a, like a like a apartment building on like an abandoned lot and someone would still show up and say that abandoned lot has emotional resonance to me because it's the first place I got finger banged and so therefore <laughs> you shouldn't be able to build anything there it's so important to me you'll be destroying my heritage and she goes and says stuff like this at public meetings and she's become this kind of bombastic. She's right though. She makes a lot of sense. Like when you read the book, it's like she's kind of the only person who's making sense in these rooms. Yes, exactly. So anyway, so the book is kind of, it's meant to be an entertaining but important look at this like horrible problem in America. And now our dear president Trump has kind of uh, has made this a national issue because according. I know I was just going to ask you about his tweet today, like how he said that Joe Biden and the radical left want to abolish the suburbs. Like yes. it's hard to parse the meaning of that. But like, could you tell us what what yes. he's talking about? It is. Um, Does it involve a bulldozer? Like what? Yes. So actually, uh, he, so Barack, this gets very complicated, but basically the gist is housing and urban development under Barack Obama instituted a rule called affirmatively furthering fair housing. And basically it means that you have to, you have to do certain things to, um, to get HUD money. You have to do certain things to make it easier for people to build affordable housing. And so that, you, you know, you're, you're, um, it doesn't like mandate diversity or anything, but you, you have to have different types of housing so that your town has a greater chance of being diverse because of economic, you know, uh, black and Latino families tend to be l less wealthy. Right. So um, Trump has scrapped that rule. 
which was led to a whole new cycle of its own uh, a couple weeks ago. And um, anyway, it's all very complicated, but the basic gist is this. There was a rule that would have made like segregation more difficult that Obama put in place. Trump has now undone that rule. Obama or Biden has said he will bring that rule back if he should be elected president. And Trump, trying to make hay of this and make a very explicit play for suburban votes, has said he wants to abolish the suburbs. The kind of okay. hilarious part of this, okay. or the, the 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 nasty part of this anyway, is that the ways in which he's framing the suburbs, it's almost like he's almost fairly explicitly saying he wants to get rid of the white suburbs. This is like, un- you know, so... Um, right. It's part of the whole Confederate statues and yes. like and they're, heritage. They're, they're coming. They're coming for your flags and your daughter. Because well, it's not daughters. like this. Yeah. I mean, anyway, so it, it's become this whole thing. But um, anyway, it's 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 a pretty ridiculous situation with the abolish the suburbs piece of this. But it is it is squarely in the vein of the book, which is that these people are. This is like a movement of people trying to build more housing and make it easier to build more housing. Um, I will say, and, 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 and open up suburbs, which are of course like their school districts and other things are segregated by income and race. I will say I can't get, this would require like a whole show all on its own, but the public comment you see at, it's like, City council and zoning meetings, it sounds like really boring. And if you sit there for eight or 12 hours, of course it is. But the crazy ass people who show up to these things, like there's always a moment, like one or two moments of levity at any meeting where you're like, what the hell is going on here? Like, is this democracy? Like, this is it. This is it right here. You know, and- I, always, I always assumed it was like Gilmore Girls, like a Stars Hollow Town meeting in New England. It's not like that, is it? I mean, it's, you know, you have people who show up and complain about things and then people say things that are totally off topic. They'll like ask the San Francisco Board of Supervisors what they think about the, um, you know, Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And they're kind of like, you know, we don't have control over that here. <laughs> um, and um, there's even, I mean, San Francisco, of course, in particular, these characters, there's this guy, Starchild, who I met, this is his real legal name, and he's a, quote, exotic service provider. And when I asked him, does this mean you're a prostitute? He said, you can say prostitute in your story as long as it's said in a respectful way. It's kind of funny. The Yimby people have this like big party every year and they treat it like an Oscars thing. And some of their like categories for their, you know, awards you win are like worst public comment. And they play videos of people (laughs) at these. So there was a woman in Berkeley who's kind of become, you know, semi-famous, um, who, uh, you know, in, in local zoning circles, who um, was protesting. Somebody said that she was like, look, the shadow ordinance says that it won't have any impact. And then she holds up this zucchini that is, uh, you know, meant to be a small zucchini. And she says, but this zucchini exists, you know, like th- this is proof that your that your shadow ordinance. Is- well, I mean, it's a more serious thing, but like, I I think what's really interesting is that you see because of these policies and because of these unintended consequences that there's an entire generation that has been essentially locked out of the housing market and cannot accumulate wealth. And so how do you think that is going to bear upon the uh, upcoming election? I think... 
I, well, housing, I don't, because Trump is such a singular character, um, at, you know, both positive and negative, a lot of people really love him, a lot of people really don't like him. I, it's hard to imagine housing become a really dominant issue because he's just going to be the dominant issue. But in the Democratic primary, the, every single uh, candidate had a really robust housing platform, which has basically never happened. Biden is now talking about furthering fair housing. Trump's trying to make a, a, a play against it in some way. Of course, the irony of that is he actually signed a YIMBY act, like literally a, uh, you know, in fact, they invited Sonia to go to the signing and she was like, I can't, I can't do that. Um, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say that, but there you go. That's uh, breaking or, you know, scoop. But um, anyway, so um, I, I think though at a large level, here's the way I think about it. We pass like fair housing and all these different types of rules that are meant to desegregate America, you know, again, along race, but now race and class are a little more intertwined. Um, and, uh, and, and, but did that ever happen? America's like more segregated now than it ever was, right? And I think what this book tries to sort of show you is that the federal government does all this like, you know, supposedly bitching stuff and supposedly has, you know, dealt with civil rights many years ago, but these local governments just immediately turn around and will erect all these barriers to make sure none of that stuff happens. And so even though it seems like this tedious thing, you know, going to your local city council meetings and whatnot, it turns out that might turn out to be more important uh, than any of these federal laws. And I guess on the one hand, that's kind of a bummer because you think that, you know, these fights are I wouldn't say one, but that they that big milestones have been reached. But it turns out that like, um, so that's the negative pessimistic piece of it. But I guess the optimistic piece is like, you don't need the federal government to do, you know, you can go and change your own. These are young people who, you know, use their Wednesdays to go argue at city council meetings. And it turns out they can have a pretty big impact. So no matter who the president is, you can change your own community in a in a more positive, inclusive way. Um, and and I, I think what I love about these people is that even though they're all crazy, they are fundamentally people who show up and who care. And that's like a great thing. Yeah. So we'll, we'll put a link to the book, go buy the book and we will link to it in the show notes. All right. Thank you so much, Connor. It's been a delight to have you here. Uh, it's been a great, fun, and uh, important conversation. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, tell a friend. Uh, it's been a terrible week, but a really fun podcast to record. Thanks for listening. This has been Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. I-